that is probably the worst thing you can do because for one, you're, you're already playing catch up. And two, people can usually smell the desperation. Hey, hey, Skid Steer Nation. Welcome back for another episode of the Skid Steer Nation podcast. As always, I am your host, Ryan Deemer. Today, we're doing something a little bit different. We've got a special guest, Luke Eggerbratton. Let's see. He's a mastermind in the marketing world, specifically tailored to the excavation industry. And he helps a lot of excavation companies scale and scale quickly. He's also the host of the Dirt Bags podcast. So I'm sure many of you listeners out there have already heard that show. If not, you can find the link in the show descriptions and check him out, him and his other guest, Luke. And we're just really excited. This is the first time that I've actually had a podcast host as a guest. So it's going to be really exciting. Um, Luke, welcome to the show, man. Ryan, thank you so much. Uh, absolutely killed the intro. And I, I couldn't be more honored to be on the show. Thank you. You're welcome, man. I actually butchered the intro because like, I don't like reading things line for line. I feel like it seems forced. So I kept reading it. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm skipping over that. I'm just going to say what I feel. Yeah, no, I love it. And yeah, dude, it's it's fun too. Like you mentioned a podcast host being a guest. Like I love being a guest on a show because it's, you know, you just get to see how other people like run their shows. And, but at the end of the day, you're just talking with somebody else. You're just talking yeah. about business. You're talking about what you enjoy. So this is just another conversation. Absolutely, man. So I've got one question that I really am fixated on starting the show with. You go from working in marketing and I believe the dental aspect. Yeah. And now you're like, doing crushing it in excavation like it's not even close to like where do you go from dental niche to heavy iron yeah man so um really where it started you know that was my first full-time job outside of college and i was actually a marketing director that uh, for an orthodontic practice and the marketing agency i got to oversee that's what they did is you know is digital marketing for orthodontic um, practices and what i noticed as i was like man these guys are awesome. They're crushing it for us. They're making me look good as the director or whatever. And we're paying them tons of money, but we're like almost happy to pay them because they added so much value. And I was like, this is so cool. Like I gotta, I gotta start one of these. And I just, I loved the aspect of niching down and, and all of that. And so started phaser marketing in, uh, it was October 24th, 2019. And my goal is like, just started on the side and one day, Hopefully, maybe we'll get to go full time in this thing. And, um, but I knew that to do that, uh, I wasn't going to pay myself a penny until I was ready to go full time um, and just build this brand. And so, uh, two years flew by, and then 2021 came around, and my wife got a full time job, which moved us down to Arizona. And at that time, we're like, I think it's time to just take that next step, right? And it's so, funny how the world tells you it's time, isn't it? Yeah, man. And it was just, it's such a blessing. You know, we had um, a couple of clients and one of my first clients, uh, as you mentioned, is Luke Payne. He's from, um, he owns Western Excavation and started with Black Iron Dirt up in Fargo, North Dakota. Really good friend of mine. We're now co-hosts on the Dirtbags podcast, but he was one of my first clients. And that's what really catapulted me into this uh, industry of demolition and excavation. And yeah, it just, it made so much sense because all of my uh, coaches and mastermind groups. And everyone was telling me, Luke, if you want to make an impact on an industry, make an impact with businesses and people and your team, you have to niche down. Like it's going to yep. make everything easier. And to me, it was a no brainer. Like we had, we worked with a couple of real estate agencies, garage door companies, um, you know, random companies here and there, but we had a few excavation companies and I was like, no doubt, this is what we're going to invest all of our time and our resources into and fast forward a few years now and that's where we're at today is uh is you know sitting here we only work with excavation companies and it's it's been amazing yeah so you want to hear a funny story when i was the director of operations for do more equipment <clears throat> um my head of marketing and i decided we were going to start like a little side agency we named it riptide marketing yeah yeah and we were doing the same thing right like we had a gym we had an attorney and a few other people and I got to the point that I hated the clients, like, cause you yeah. can't get good at the gym industry. And then at the attorney, like helping an attorney, like, like, cause we were just all over the place. Right. So it was like, we try, you know, and then we're both working full time. But like when I started Skid Steer Nation, it was like, I love marketing. These manufacturers, a lot of these people back then didn't have a big sales and marketing team. 
I was like, so what if I take my marketing skills and instead of having clients become my own client and start skids to your nation? So it was a mix of loving the marketing. And then like, if I do it myself, then I don't have any clients to complain or right. Kind of selfishly in that regard. But, but yeah, it's so funny. It's funny. Like if you just find a love, like marketing, and then you want to start as a side hustle next, you know, if you give it enough time and, and nourishment, it blossoms. Yeah. And at the end of the day too, I don't even think it was as much marketing, but I, I just loved business. You know, I was always, uh, flipping things like on Craigslist always. And so I, in, even in college, when I was high school, middle school, I'd buy a go-kart, I'd throw a dollar coat of black paint on it and I'd resell it and I'd just remarket it. And then in college, I was buying a lot of pit bikes, dirt bikes, dune buggies, just for beer money and stuff. And then, uh, but just the, the aspect of, you know, spending less than you make and understanding that there's value in remarketing and also just marketing. Um, and that was more of where I wanted to go is just like start a brand and a business that I'm proud of that isn't scammy or sleazy and that can make an impact on a lot of people. Um, but just doing it in like a very ethical, fun way. Yep. I love that, man. It's, it's so hard to find good companies to partner with because you don't know yep. if, you know, if you've never worked with them or you don't have a good reference from somebody that has, like, it's so easy to talk the talk. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I'm so glad you brought that up actually. So we, especially this year, we've almost done the opposite of, we, we try and lower the bar for people, especially when we're in like a, a sales call. And because we don't do any magic tricks. We just don't. It's We build good marketing habits for a very specific industry, and that's the excavation space. So there isn't any, like we can't save every single business. We don't do any crazy magic trick things, but but we also know when somebody's a good fit for us. And so uh, just having those conversations, making sure we lower the expectations a bit so they're on like on earth here, and then we can show them what we do, who we work with and why we do the things. And a lot of it is, a, it's a, we changed our vocabulary from a package. We don't do any packages anymore. We only do programs. And so I love we have a phase one program, phase two and phase three, like that's it. And there's no a la carte options. There's no projects here and there. It's just, uh, we have everything tailored. And the reason we say the word program is because we do what we need to do but also there's a piece of it that our clients need to do to make this program work. And so it's pretty easy to find the leak and figure out who's kind of dropping the ball and making sure we get each other back on track. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we used to get the phone calls all the time. Like, man, these leads you got me, you're terrible. And then I'm like, well, I just listened to your secretary talking to the leads and I don't think it's the leads that are terrible. Right. Like, yeah. You can always, you can always find the leak somewhere. And a lot of times it's in your own agency. Right. Yeah. And so I think, you know, we're built on transparency. And so I, everything is available for anyone to see. And we were talking about this before the call too, but you know, whether it's our numbers, who we work with, what we do for certain clients, like all of that is, is out there because there's nothing to hide. There's no secrets. Uh, it's just, you know, how we want to operate our business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, we're talking about marketing agency and like some different marketing things with this, but like at the end of the day, it's the values and principles that your business is built on that help guide your decisions for you to build a strong, stable, repeatable income for you. And it's a lot of the same techniques that excavation company owners should be doing. Absolutely. And we see it all the time, you know, with the companies we work with. And, you know, there's a lot of that sharing of knowledge and strategies of things that are working because, you know, with the the workforce issue too, like how do you keep guys or how do you um, keep employees working for you? And how do you scale a business to one day, you know, take a vacation so you don't have to, or if you get sick, how can you step away for a little bit and the business still operates with these systems? And so a lot of this is just um, consulting and talking business with our clients of seeing, you know, what's working for them because we're figuring it out as well on our side. And so a lot of that shared knowledge, even with um, pe other people in the industry, other construction companies, other agencies, um, getting involved with associations has really helped us because we get to see all types of companies what's working, what's not, and uh, really just how to build a more sustainable business that, you know, is, can be, can be good for everyone, the employees, their clients, the owners, 
um, the vendors, like everyone involved. Yeah. I saw that you just posted on Facebook. I'm not sure it was today or yesterday, but I mean, there's a lot of good nuggets for any business owner in this, but you, you were specifically talking about how you assessed your business, found a piece that was broken, which was your onboarding process. Yeah. Took notes on why it wasn't working or what wasn't being done, where the leaks were at. And then you just worked solely on the onboarding process until you had it where you wanted it. Yeah. It was duplicatable and where all the other team members could do the same way. And I just remember reading that going, wow, I love that. You know, you have to have that laser focus approach one problem at a time. But there's so many things like in excavation companies, if these guys would just take a step back and go, let's fix one small thing at a time and stop trying to ram it all at once. Yeah, that's actually the post I put out today. And so Is I love today? That. I remember yeah, I just, that, I just, that you saw that. Um, yeah, and especially with an excavation company, like and just an entrepreneur in general, like there's so many things that are going through your head and so many things that you need to fix. Everything's breaking. There's not enough money coming in. There's people are leaving, but just take one process. Like the, the essence of it is just, if you just simplify it down, cause you can't do all these processes at once, you can't fix them all. And so it's like, okay, what, and for me, it was our onboarding. I knew our onboarding had to improve drastically because I had mentioned in the post, you know, I was like writing it on, like a, a scratch pad. And then like, I would ask different questions each time and it's kind of fluffy and unorganized. And I was like, let's just dial this in. Let's, t let's tear it apart. Let's figure out from our clients, what needs to be done. Where's the bottleneck? Like what, where are things not getting done and how can we streamline this process? And so, you know, we took a, really it was the whole, um, like six months, but, um, we really went hard at it for the last three months and just tore it apart and said, this is how we're going to do it beginning to end. And we've been seeing the results of it um, just with our construction clients, like going through it and it's just running a lot more smoothly. And so funny enough, now that we've patched that up and that's running, we're currently in our offboarding um, process. And so no matter what people will tell you, you will always lose clients. You'll always lose customers for one reason or another that it should matter why you lose them because that's a big piece of you know what you may be doing wrong but in any business you're going to lose people maybe they sold their business maybe they're somebody's cheaper whatever luke let's be honest you always lose a customer because yeah. they're an idiot they don't know what they're doing right absolutely it's never, not. It's never your fault never my fault <laughs> right yeah that's a great <laughs> lesson <laughs> um and just like realizing like okay because you know we did offboard a few clients this year and it was kind of like guesswork. It's like, okay, we're, what is the operating procedure of how we offboard cleanly and make it a good experience still. And so now we're tearing that apart and it's really coming together. Nice of like, you know, it doesn't have to be a bad experience when you offboard a client, like you want to make sure that the transition is actually a good one. So that if somebody asks them, Hey, I saw you worked with phaser marketing, how were they They're like, you know, didn't accomplish our goals, but great people, you know, they did everything they could. And honestly, like the processes went well, you know, it just didn't work out for us. And so not burning those bridges too is yeah. huge. Um, but yeah, just back to taking one simple process in your business and fixing it, it might take a day, might take a couple hours, might take a few weeks. Um, but focusing on that one will really help start putting together this business. Um, one other quick example is how you, um, how you bill people. And so sometimes uh, it's on the owner to send an invoice, to receive a check, to make a call, to follow up with past due invoices. Whose job is it? It it doesn't matter whose job it is, but you need to assess that whole situation and say, is this the best way we should be running it? Or should somebody else be doing it? Should this part be automated? Like, yeah. how can we make this as clean as possible? Yeah. And I'm glad you said automated because like, there's three words that whenever I look at a process or something that we need to do in the business, I look at it from myself perspective of three words. One, can I automate it? Like how do we make it so nobody forgets to do it? It automatically runs. Yeah. If I can't automate it, can I delegate it? Yeah. Like, so is there somebody else in my team that can learn this skill that can duplicate it time and time again? And then sometimes I look at it and say, well, can I eliminate it? Like, is it actually a process I need to be doing or am I creating work to stay busy with no purpose or end? And I'll I tell you what, that. about 80 to 90% of the time, 
if you can't eliminate it, you can automate it or delegate it. And then, and then you can take a hundred percent of the work and now you only have to do 10% yourself. Yeah. And I think a great way to look at that as well is, um, you list everything out that you do in your business and how much time that takes. And then you think about how much, um, how much does that cost per hour Yeah, to replace? And then you look at your time and what your value is. If you're out running your business or making these calls or attending these event networking events, you know, what is your hourly rate? And so if you, if you're still doing a task that really should be about 10 bucks an hour that you can automate or delegate, you need to get that out uh, so that you're doing the bigger stuff that you should be doing. And, and, and the, the kicker is I think a lot of business owners, one, they're afraid to let go of some of that because it's their baby. But two, when you start letting go of those small tasks like that, you, you wouldn't believe the amount of mental capacity that opens up for you to focus on big problems or to, or to be creative looking for new things to do because you're not dreading sending out 50 invoices and calling seven customers that haven't paid you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it just starts with the the one small thing, you know, do one thing at a time. Yeah. And because it's going to be daunting when you look at everything, because uh, as an entrepreneur, you wear every single hat, but you just need to start taking one hat off at a time. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely. And I'm losing my words here because I'm so like in agreement with you, but yeah, one at a time, it's so easy to try to do five things at once. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of five things at once, here you are breaking processes, making things better at phaser. And then in the middle of trying to scale this business, you just think it's a great idea to get your buddy Luke and start ripping up a podcast, man. Dude, absolutely. That I, I know you can attest to this. Podcasting has been my favorite thing we've, we've ever done. I mean, it's the amount Luke and I have learned on the podcast. Um, the amount of fun we've had, like just everything, man. It's, it's so cool. Um, if you're not, if you want to start one, it's as easy as just opening up your laptop and starting. Um, that's what I always say to people like, just get started. Luke and I started the dirt bags, uh, February, 2022. We had Aaron Witt as our first guest. The episode I'm sure is cringy and rough to listen back to, but it doesn't matter. Cause we're like, we're just going to keep getting better. But yeah, I love what you're doing with Skid Steer Nation. And I was I was pumped to jump on here and talk to you about it because I know how much you enjoy podcasting and just the amount of information and the guests and the people you get to talk to and the connections you get to make is is incredible. It is. And, the, and it's funny. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Like people ask me like, oh, you have a podcast. I'm like, yeah, like, what's that like? And I go, you know how there's work that you do? that like drains your energy and you're exhausted after you do it. They're like, yeah. yeah, I'm like, this is the exact opposite. Like I get done doing a podcast interview, like my energy level's high. I feel like my cup's yeah. been filled. I feel like it's actually rejuvenating me versus me giving energy to it. Yeah. And this actually ties in very well with our last discussion. But one thing that typically burns you out as a podcaster is for one, you're doing it just to make money. You think it's going to be this big success that's going to retire you. I would table that and not do it for that reason, because it's, it takes a long time. But the second thing is to, um, don't try and do everything just like we were talking about. Like Luke and I started the dirt bags. We haven't, and this is just us personally, but we haven't edited a single episode ever. So right away we brought in just off of upwork.com. Uh, his name's Brandon. He's worked with me for a long time. He's a video editor him 20 bucks an hour. He loves this stuff. He enjoys video editing. He enjoys producing podcasts and it allowed Luke and I to record, be our true selves, fill everything up. And then when we hit stop, we send it to him and we go do whatever else we need to do. We're not stuck in the trenches of doing the stuff we don't like that's starting to drain us of like video editing and like figuring out how to upload all this stuff and do the best strategy. It's like, Find find out somebody that likes to do that stuff for fun and is very very good at it and bring them in. It's a lot easier than most people think. Yeah. So I was blessed with a team that I've built for Skid Steer Nation. So we have our own creative director. So like my process is so similar to yours, right? Like so my assistant Kim is doing all the outreach through Facebook or Instagram, looking for business owners that have something intriguing on their story or their timeline, asking them if they want to be a guest getting them to fill out our form submission so that we can have some talking points and then scheduling the podcast. So like this morning I woke up and I'm like, Oh, I get to meet Shane at 11 o'clock. And I'm right. like, I had to pull up Facebook and like learn about Shane. Cause I've had nothing to do with him being a guest on the show. 
We recorded the one hour episode. I uploaded all the video into our Google Drive folder for production with his name and folder. I won't even know when it's released in three or four weeks. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And it's just, and it takes time to get there, of course. But, you know, Luke and I, when we started, we had, we both had MacBook Air laptops. And then as we launched a few episodes, we're like, all right, let's, let's get a Blue Yeti microphone that plugs into our laptop. hundred bucks on Amazon. Done. Yeah. And it's just, it, it's not as expensive as people think. And people always talk about, you know, one day I'll do that. One tip I would give uh, for that is to tell people about your podcast and tell them I'm going to produce, I'm going to put out one, one episode a month. It comes out on the last Friday of every month. That way you're like committed and stuck to it. You have a deadline. And so uh, I think what kills all podcasts is the consistency. If you, if you stop for three months, four months, you lose it all and you try and get back up and going, get the momentum, uh, you just start to lose it. So um, just the consistency, it'll really help you with deadlines and bringing in guests and topics. Um, But uh, also for your listeners too, they want something that's a bit more consistent. Yeah. And I don't want to change topics, but I feel like I'm compelled to right now. You keep talking about consistency. That's one of the things that I really drive home to like the owners of businesses that we work with. Yeah. Because I'm like, listen, you guys market the bejesus out of things when when you're slow. Like you'll spend extra money on ads and you'll do all yeah. this. And then you fill the calendar for three weeks. And then it's crickets on marketing and lead generation. Yeah. So you all you do is keep creating these peaks and valleys of busy work, no work, busy work, no work, because you turn the spigot off for leads. And it's like if you find a consistent manner that can work for you, don't turn it off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You got to keep it going in any business, especially, um, you know, if, if you wait till you have no leads and to start marketing, that is probably the worst thing you can do because, um, for one, you're, you're already playing catch up and two people can usually smell the desperation. Uh, any just customer, say the same thing. they can, they notice it. And so sometimes a lot of customers, especially in construction or even like heavy landscaping, things like that, they want to work with the company that's booked out because they're booked out for a reason. And it's like, okay, well, when, when can you fit me in on your spring schedule? And then you get that set up and, you know, you get your deposit in and everything. So it just, yeah, it's keeping the consistency. I'm big on organic um, marketing because that is something we're building a foundation on and we're building yeah. up from there. And it's not so much like turn the ads on, turn them off, turn them on, turn them off. It's so- like, let's, yeah. yeah. So speaking of that, like for a local excavation company in Picketown, USA. Yep. For organic growth, what do you think the two or three most important things are for them that either they can do it themselves or hire it out? I love that question. So there's a lot of things you can do yourself and they're easy and they're free. Uh, SEO, search engine optimization, it's actually all completely free. When you hire an agency like mine or anyone else, you're just paying them because the people know how to do it a bit better. So what you can do for free, number one, always most important, your Google business profile. It is completely free. If you don't have yours, just type in Google business profile. You can get yours set up. It'll have you verify your location. Let's say you're based out of Fargo, North Dakota, and you have a shop. It'll have you verify your shop. Boom, you're now in Google's entire ecosystem, Google Maps, Google Search, everything. And the cool thing about it, and most people overlook this, uh, it almost acts as your own website. So even if you don't have a website, I always tell people start with that because you can have your pictures on there. You can have photos of your work, your equipment, your team. You can have a a call button, directions. Um, You can also have any offers um, when you're open in your office. And what I think is very fascinating that is underutilized they almost have a type of social media with it. It's like Google's form of social media. And that would just be posting updates on your Google business profile. So whenever I post something for Phaser, which is our business, you know, I post it on our Facebook company page, our Instagram company page, LinkedIn company page. And the fourth is that Google business profile. And the reason I do those four, and they're different for most markets, but Facebook, I would say, is more of your residential clients, maybe f- family, friends, things like that. They might find you. Instagram, especially for contractors, those are your other contractors. Those That's where you can kind of network with other construction companies um, across the nation, across the world. LinkedIn is huge for presidents, CEOs, big GCs, 
you know, estimators, PMs, they're all on LinkedIn and they're a lot more serious because they're scrolling LinkedIn instead of Facebook. And then the fourth Google business profile, Google is actually picking up on your keywords that you're posting. So if you're talking about your land management job or the septic system you just put in, they can actually take those keywords. And if somebody's searching for that and match it up with like septic system in Fargo, North Dakota, these guys might have your answer. So that's kind of how and why I like to do all four and making sure we're kind of spread across uh, those platforms. But definitely, uh, if you haven't done anything with the Google business profile, jump on there. You can do it for free and it's very easy to build a good habit there. Yeah. And I 100% agree with you. And the only touch point I would add into that is so many times I see a Google business profile where it's like, we do a, B, C, D, E. And like, that's the whole description of their business, right? Like right. this thing's going to be working 24 hours a day, 365, right. either take the time and fill out the answers really, really well. Cause it's a one-time job, right? I love doing tasks that I only yeah. have to do once and can keep working for me. It's worth the investment in time or B hire somebody else to do it. But like, don't do a simple, I work out of my basement, look to your Google business profile. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and then, you know, to take it a step further, like you were just talking about, um, you know, so definitely Google business profile. Uh, second, I would say the website and that can be, if you're going to build it yourself, I recommend Squarespace, um, simple, easy platform, still pretty customizable. Um, if you're going to go with an agency, um, we typically, our agency builds them all on WordPress. Um, so what you can expect usually from prices like on our side is, you know, our phase one program, for example, is, you know, 3k startup fee, 1500 per month, which covers the website and all the SEO. If you're looking at your numbers and you're like, yeah, I mean, that's, that seems really high. There's options like under us too. And so you can work with bigger agencies, uh, like town square, high boo, uh, they're not specialized in construction and you're going to get more generalist, um, website, but their SEO capabilities are still there. Um, and then another option, which I like this option as well is finding a freelancer. So yeah. that could be somebody from upwork.com is a great one. You could jump on LinkedIn and, um, see if there's anyone on there or just somebody locally. Uh, I think what you get with a freelancer, if your budget is a little bit smaller is that you have a bit more customization with that person they can do a bit more research into you, into your company, a um, little bit more, um, you know, give and take, push and pull, that kind of stuff, which is good. So I would look at all four of those options of just, you know, if you're not going to do anything, do your Google business profile. If you want to go a step up, go with, you know, a big agency like Highboo or Town Square, one step up further, freelancer that's dedicated to you. And then another step up would be like, uh, an agency that's focused in construction. Yeah. Especially like phaser. Got it. Yeah. For I think sure. that's great. I mean, I, I think Google business profile is like a cheat code for these small businesses because most guys don't have it or have a really poor one. Yeah. And like, we're able to take guys and like, we used to do marketing services a couple of years ago before we switched to coaching and consulting. We get guys that were on like page seven and have them yeah. on page one in seven days. Right. Yeah. Um, and the reviews too. I mean, that's, it's, that's the reviews become so much of it. And so it's, and I love the way Google does it because they're not teaching you to do any crazy magic tricks. It's just, just do the add value to your customers, add value to your clients, answer frequently asked questions, you know, all that kind of stuff. So in a sense, that's what all, a lot of these marketing people or companies are working to do is just help put that information out there, but a lot of it you can do yourself. Yeah. And then Google got rid of the frequently asked questions section, I noticed. So now there's a place for customers to ask questions. So I actually go in there for clients that we do work with and I treat that like the FAQ and yeah. I'll write, I'll write the question and then I'll also write the answer. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's definitely underutilized for many reasons. Like most people don't know it's there, but definitely a tool you can jump in and use. Yeah. Well, guys, if you're looking at trying to get a better presence online, start with Google Business Profile or call Luke, A or B. Yeah. And honestly, if you do call me, like 
there's a good chance I'll send you somewhere else too, because I want to make sure that, you know, you're taken care of. And a lot of times that's, you know, not with us, which is totally fine. Yeah. And I love that too. Cause like you're really big into providing value at no cost. So from the posts that you put out there, the conversations you'll have with people that call or email you. Now you're big into speaking engagements. Like you're getting ready to do like the septic. I don't remember the exact name of it up in the state of Michigan. You got some other ones lined up. You did Con Expo last year, I think, yep. right? Yep. It's so like, I yeah. love that you're giving as much as you're giving. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, it's just like, I always want to be, you know, a resource first and a marketing agency second. Cause I know I just want to be that guy where no matter who it is, they can reach out to me if they have a certain question about marketing or business. And then they'll know that I might have somebody I can like point them to in the right direction. And just somebody that's trustworthy that they can, they can go to. So, um, the speaking engagements have been super fun because it, it's just, I get to go up there and just talk about an educational topic of typically it's digital marketing or growing your business or hiring for your business. Um, and of course it's usually niched down within construction. So, uh, it's a great way to, you know, add value to them to meet new people. Um, but also, you know, you think of how many keynote presentations you sit through in a year and in your career. And I I'm really trying to change it up to like making it different, making it really fun and, and not trying to give somebody too much. Like I just want them to get one takeaway from each of my sessions. And if they can remember one takeaway, then I I've, I've succeeded there. So, um, always trying to work on like changing that up and making sure it's always new and fresh, but, um, Con Expo show. That was my first time there. That was incredible. I, I can't believe like how many people were out there, but it, uh, I think they amassed like 120,000 people or something. It was nuts. Crazy. Yeah. You physically can't see all the booths. No, not even half of them. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you might be able to see all the booths outside, but you cannot see them all inside and outside. Yeah. I mean, they, they run such a clean ship too, uh, but it's only every three years. So I was, yeah. if you, if you have never been, I think 2026 in March, I believe is their next one. Um, definitely go out. It's people from all over the world. Like just the networking is incredible because you get to meet anyone and everyone you want there. Um, it's just a great place to have as a common meeting ground, whether you're trying to meet up with friends in the industry vendors, um, you know, people you just want to meet, hang out with things like that. So, uh, doing those shows have been a lot of fun. Yeah. And if you're overwhelmed by a hundred thousand people in the city of Vegas, the one in Louisville is a great show too. That's true. The utility expo. Yep. The utility expo in Louisville is a great show too. And it's a little bit smaller scale, more manageable city's not so crazy. Yeah, absolutely. We still found ways to get in trouble at four in the morning, but it's not as crazy as Vegas. It'll happen in every city though, especially I've got a crazy story about our trip to Louisville, but it's not podcast appropriate. Dang it. Maybe after. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe after, maybe after. Um, There was something I wanted to add to what you were talking about. Um, Where were we at there? Oh, the shows and all that. I was going to tell you, you like to break it down so they get at least one thing that they can remember and go utilize and implement. I just did a workshop for 30 business owners here in the city of Peoria. I, I give back to the small business development center that I use as a resource and a mentor locally. So they're like, Hey, you want to talk to him about like social media marketing and like, cause you, like we always see your stuff. It's good. So like we did one on mastering your message and like being able to write really good quality posts for your business. And as I built the presentation out and I'm like, man, this is going to be overwhelming. Sure. Yeah. So like when I finished the whole presentation, I took the last slide, which was three bullet points and nine words. And I duplicated it and moved it to the beginning. And I just changed, there will be three bullet points, nine words. And I made it so it was nine words. And I was like, listen, we're going to cover a lot of stuff, but this is the last slide you're going to see. It's going to be three bullet points and nine words. So no matter how overwhelmed you feel, just remember there's light at the end of the tunnel. And as long as you remember these nine words, you're going to take away a ton of value from the day. I think that's perfect because I think addressing it at the beginning and then at the end is what you want to do. And also as you're sitting in on these sessions, pay attention to that too. It's just, I just want to take away one thing Mm because most of the time, if you think back to all the sessions you've sat in, you probably don't remember really much of anything from any of them. And so 
there's a couple that stood out to you maybe that where you're like, you still use one of the pieces today. And I think that's because they honed in on no matter what you learn through this entire hour and a half, take this one thing away. And so I think it's, like you said, just finding that piece and really honing in on it at the beginning, but then at the end as well. Yeah. Cause it's almost like ensuring, you know, just kind of assuring them at the beginning, like you're going to be gonna okay when we get to the end of this. Yeah. But you get to the end of this, you're going to be okay. So, and I think contractors could implement that in their estimating and proposal process too. Cause like it's overwhelming for a lot of these landowners and homeowners. Yeah, absolutely. Just like that, you know, it's almost like the summary at the top. It's like, you know, here's what we're going over, you know, all the evidence, all the numbers, everything is in here, but just know like, this is why, you know, we got to this point. Yeah. And, but even going once, like when we work with customers, I'm like, oh, listen, when you go meet them at their house, shake their hand, say hi. I'm like, the first thing you should be doing is like, listen, I like to spend about 15 minutes with you, ask you quite a few questions so I can really understand what you're trying to do. Once we yeah. get through that, I'd like to go walk the property with you so we can actually see, do this and that. And then from that point, I will take this much time to create the estimate. I'll submit it to you. Then we'll call follow up. And then if there's any questions, anything, we can go over that. But like outline your whole process before you even ask about the project. Yeah, I think it takes away those, you know, sometimes those blow ups too of like under not understanding the expectations, but going through it at the beginning helps a ton and just like setting the bar of like, this is how we do it. This is what you can expect. And then usually no matter what, it's like once they know that it's like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. This is why you do it. Yeah. We worked with customers, like with clients and they always talk about like, I'm like, they always skip the prequal questions. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> And we dig into right. that and then they always have some pushback as to why they don't do it, you know? Yeah. And these are all people that have paid us to do consulting work. I'm like, Hey, do you remember that phone call that you and I had? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, do you remember me asking, telling you one thing about what we do as a business in the first 30 minutes? He's like, no. I'm like, cause I didn't know if I could help you. Exactly. Right. Like I spent 30 minutes learning about you and your business before I even, like you asked me a question about it. I would pivot back to asking you a question about your business. Cause I wasn't going to let you guide that conversation. Cause I needed to know all this information before we even got to what we do. Yeah. I think that says a lot though, of just, you know, taking the reins. I always think about that. It's like, you're the expert in the situation. You need to like have the program or the systems of like taking the reins and showing them how you do it and why. And yeah, especially in the conversation too, like you said, not letting it divert off track here. Like we, for the first 30 minutes here, there's certain things I need to figure out to make sure that this is a good fit. And so kind of making sure that you're the one driving the bus in a respectful way because you're, they came to you for a certain reason. Yeah. The guy I interviewed this morning, Shane, he was telling me that when customers have budget constraints, mm -hmm. they never negotiate price. They negotiate scope of work. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Like value. we're not, we're not discounting our value. We'll just change the scope of work to fit the budget you have for the project. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love that too. And it's just, you know, we're not here to talk about money necessarily. It's just a lot of times it comes down to expectations. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's so easy to get caught up. Like, well, if I give him a thousand dollars off and maybe I'll land this job. Yeah. It's a rabbit hole. You don't want to go down. No. Cause you can only go to zero. Yeah. Like if you, if you, if you focus on giving value, you can go infinite. If you focus on giving the lowest price, you can literally only go to zero. Yeah. I think people see that too. I think they respect it. Um, like when the reason you do an estimate is because of like how your business runs, what you need to make sure your business operates and is profitable and your people are paid and what it costs to do the job as well. And just like seeing that in your estimate, uh, I think people can respect that where there's no budge on price necessarily. Like it kind of, it is what it is because we put the work into getting to this point and uh, making sure that this is accurate and correct. Like, it's not like a, there's no discounts to be applied. And I'm definitely not like a discount guy. Um, I think you should stick to, you do need to figure out your value though, and making sure that the value you're offering matches up with what the cost is. Mm -hmm. And I think you need to overvalue and where, yeah. where I feel a lot of contractors fall short is they just don't tell them something that they would already do. Right. Like if you're going to do raking of the edges and make sure there's no gravel in any grass at all, spell that out. Yeah. Right. If you're, if you guarantee, if, if they would call you in 90 days and say, Hey, a pothole just popped up my driveway and you would go out there and fix it. 
tell them you have a guarantee for X amount of like, and it doesn't have to be a year, right? It's whatever you're comfortable doing, but just like, there's so many things these guys would do if somebody called, but they didn't spell it out in the estimate to provide more value than the competitors that are, they're bidding against them. Yeah. I think it all goes back to just being overprepared and just making sure that it's all spelled out there. Um, you know, and it's just, it's more so for the client too, just to know like, okay, yeah. Um, if, if they do have to come out, there is an extra charge, but here it is. And that makes sense yeah. because they have to remobilize. They come back out, makes sense. And it can't be perfect. But if none of that's in there and the pothole comes up, they're going to call expecting it to be fixed. And so mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, setting the expectation, making sure that you guys are both on the same page before you even start. Uh, and that's during the project, after the project, for the life of it. I mean, just making sure that everything's spelled out there. Yeah. Hundred percent. I always say, don't give them, don't don't fall into the McDonald's effect. Like, don't tell them you get a number four. Tell them you get a double quarter pounder with cheese, large fry, and a diet coke. Like, let's spell it out. I like that. I don't think I've ever heard that, but I like it. Yeah, because it's so like it's so easy. Like when you talk marketing, you you have to remember these guys don't do it, and you've got to you've got to go back to a lower education level to make sure that you're spelling out all the bullet points. Where when you talk to other agency owners or your team, you can say the shortcut words or the buzzwords and everyone knows right. what you mean. And we in, in the construction industry, like they get caught up in like just speaking the way they speak. And the customers are just like deer in headlights. Like, I don't know what you mean by slope and whatever, you know, whatever you're talking about, like, because they don't go back and make it easy to understand. Yeah. I know a couple guys, you know, um, Dervin Whitmer, uh, with dig it excavating, he's big in the septic world up in Michigan. And he, uh, he does such a great job of educating the clients. Like anytime, same with, um, Brian Andronico, um, out with Anderson septic, just leading like almost like a teacher, just like, here's how your septic system works. Here's how, you know, the flow works. Here's what is happening right now. Uh, if we fix this, this will happen. And just, you you do kind of have to go back to your customer's level and understand that they haven't been putting in septic systems for 30 years and they probably don't even know where their tank is. And so, um, yeah, I just love that too. It's just like treating them with respect, but also just leading with education and making sure that, you know, we're kind of on the same page here. Mm-hmm. No, that's yeah. And that's a simple, easy process that you can fix right away and it'll make a massive impact in your business. Yeah. And like you said, too, it's just, you know, walking the project with the client, especially if it's residential, um, you know, just walking, seeing the vision, making sure that everything's spelled out there. Um, And then, you know, not being scared to be like, yeah, like, you know, that's not covered in this. But if you want it covered, I can put that in there and just be an additional cost. And uh, because the additional cost shouldn't just come from the clouds. Like there's there's a reason that it costs more. And your client will see that, especially if you talk about it up front. And you'll, you'll know that and just making sure that, you know, everyone's paid up, everyone's good to go. Um, Cause these bumps in the road will definitely happen. And uh, if you don't take care of them beforehand. Yeah. And, and you hear so many stories and I think almost every contractor can tell you about it. Like there's that time that they just did a handshake and said 1200 bucks. And then it's like, Hey, can you yep. do this? Can you do this? And then they don't get paid. And I'm like, this is what happens when you don't follow your process. A lot of times the 1200 bucks even turns into a nightmare where they don't get paid and they get sued or, you know, it turns, you know, it's like, Oh, it's 1200 bucks. What's the big deal. But if you don't have that, um, in writing, it's just a handshake. Uh, even if it's one of your, the worst I hear is the in-laws, it seems, man. And they're back on site. They're back fixing everything. They have to demo like the deck they just put in and it's just, it's a mess. So no matter who it is, no matter what, it's never disrespectful just to have it in writing. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that people say business is business. Yeah. You know, business can change some people too. That's for sure. It sure can, man. It sure can. Um, so your clients that you work with at Phaser, like you've got, uh, you, you're very open about this too. Like you like people that are half a million or higher in annual yep. revenue. Do you have like a cap on that? Like, do you, do you go all the way up to a $25 million year company or do you like say, Hey, we like to half million to 2 million or do you have a range? Yeah. So we do have a range. And so phase one, yeah, definitely half a million. Cause it's, it's more of just like how I understand their, their cash flow. And like, if you're doing 300 K a year, it wouldn't be wise to be paying us 1500 of that each month long-term. Um, so 
definitely wanting to get you up to that half a million. Um, and then our phase two is that one to 10 million. And then we have a phase three, which goes up to about a hundred. Um, so our biggest client right now does about 70 million, but it's very similar to our phase two, where it's just the marketing basics. And so we can go, we can do a lot more, but we purposely don't because, uh, distractions. And so we don't want to be doing all these crazy a la carte things for some clients where 80% of our other clients are being neglected on, on their side. So we keep everything very simple, very straight, but uh, anything, honestly, like a hundred million and over per year, um, we'll usually send to like build or somebody else because honestly, because they're pretty corporate at that level and our team, it just isn't structured for that. You know, we're yeah. structured to come in where maybe it's just the owner and an office manager. Maybe it's the owner, the owner's wife or husband and a marketing coordinator, or maybe it's just the owner doing it all himself or herself. And so that's where we love to come in best because we bring the full department and it just doesn't mesh well if it's, if they're a big corporate company and we're also working with their graphic designers and SEO specialists, like it just, I don't know, it's, it's a little too political for me too, I think. So I think uh, it's very political. One of my really close friends, in fact, the guy I did that Riptide marketing with, Yep, he's a director at a company called here in Peoria and they're 50% of their portfolio is Caterpillar. And it's still, I mean, yeah. it's like, you've got, you've got budget constraints and you've got colors and branding and like everything has to get checked double. Like they've got three, three people on every account yeah, just to make sure the quality control and the process handles right. Because it's just so corporate. Yeah. And I'll say it too. I'll be the first to say it. And so I, you know, obviously own a marketing company. I am a good enough guy. Like, that's what I like to say. It It's not going to be perfect. Let's not waste our time trying to make it perfect it's going to be good enough. And so like, let's get 90% of the way there and send it and let's go and let's go to the next thing and the next. And so, um, that's my personality. So I think I struggle a little bit when people, for example, will look at a logo and just say like, but what does the curve tell me? Like what story <laughs> is that point telling me what? And I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's a curve. Like it looks great. So I'm a little bit more harsh on that, but I think it helps with the construction industry too, because they're like, most of the time they're on the same page as us of like, yeah, like let's not waste 15 hours on this one little passage here. Like let's, yep. let's get this going. So, um, I think that's also a reason we've worked with some big corporate clients and we've had to let a few of them go. Cause we, we end up spending more time on labor than we're even making in revenue. So it's, it's not our type of marketing. So I, I really enjoy the ones where they're doing, for example, $3 million a year. They have their Wix website still that they built in 2020. And they're like, you know, Luke, I, we have some GCs that look at our website and I just don't think we're building enough trust with them. Is this something you could help with or any of your friends that own an agency could help with? And that's really where we can fit in best is just adding the most value there and then being partnered with them for, you know, the next, 10, 20, 30 years, ideally. Yeah. Do you audit and make sure and set up any of their social media accounts like LinkedIn or whatever, if you need to also, or is that separate? That's a good question. So we don't do any of that actually. Okay. Um, if somebody asks me, I will absolutely take a look. I'll give them advice uh, just because we see a lot of that, but uh, it's actually my just personal feeling that uh, businesses, social media should be managed by somebody within the business. Uh, we used to manage construction companies, social media. And it just, it was a little tough, you know, there's, it's hard to match every single person's voice in the company and do it successfully when you don't even work in the company. So, uh, that's something where I always tell people, you know, ask us questions about strategies, things like that, what's working, what's not different trends, but that will be something that you'll need to manage yourself. But, mm -hmm. and for auditing too, that's a good question. Like we'll, we'll go through an audit if they want, um, but that would be just an optional thing. You got it. Got it. Do you do anything with social media marketing or do you strictly work Google? Yep. So we do social media marketing on the paid side. Um, so that would be like in our phase two, um, you know, so Google pay-per-click ads and also social media, usually lead form ads, um, you know, connecting that to uh, like an automation to send them 
um, send them the notification there. Uh, if they have a CRM, even better. A lot of times we'll build out, build that out for them. But yeah, like kind of just back to our philosophy of just keeping it super simple. You know, if somebody has, if somebody has never ran ads before, we want to figure out why they would want to run ads first. And I think that's the big piece. It's like, you don't need to run any ads sometimes. That's always my long-term goal is to never run ads for a company because their organic is just like bringing in all the business and the applicants and the, the workers. So um, I think more of what we do now is help people with hiring campaigns of like, you know, Luke, we could have $4 million more of revenue each year. Um, we just can't find anyone to work. And what I always say is like, you know, we're not going to guarantee that you're going to get a bunch of applicants, but we can build out like a hiring funnel that if somebody's looking, you're going to find them likely and they're going to apply. So it's, um, it's one of those things where we can absolutely help with it, but, um, there's no it's, guarantees either. It's the eighth wonder of the world, man. Like yep. not just excavation, I'm talking like business in general, yep. like hiring is so reactive. Hey, we're short three people. We got to put a thing on indeed. There's like, they don't have a proactive campaign, right? Like a funnel of nurturing and educating and getting and like weeding out the bad applicants. And it's such, I mean, the guys that do that, it's game changer. Yeah. And, and that's a great point. So we, we don't even pretend to be like a staffing company for construct because, or recruiting, I should say. Uh, Cause that is, I have so much respect for them and sure we can help on the marketing side, but uh, there's, there's a few great staffing companies out there for construction companies. And that's usually where I would send our client to is be like, these are the experts. It's similar with video too. Like I'm not yeah. going to pretend I'm a video guy. I'm like, you know, build with Eagle Eye Productions, True Grit, like these guys, I'm going to send you to them. They'll get all the video and pictures. They know my email. They'll send them right to me and we'll work with that. So the collaboration I think is much better than just like trying to do it all yourself. Um, but especially with uh, staffing, recruiting, video, those kind of things, because those are totally different industries. Yeah. But again, like just looking at it from a proactive point of view as a business owner, instead of waiting until it's reactive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like you mentioned with the leads too, not waiting till your the funnel is dry, but yeah, always, always doing stuff in the community, always having, you know, your applicant portal open. And so even just having a careers page on your website or somewhere where people can apply, regardless if you're hiring, uh, I think that helps, you know, get your name out there too, of making sure people know that they can apply for your company. Maybe they'll find a spot for you. And uh, also just showing that, you know, showing what else you do besides work, you know, mm -hmm. showing the Christmas party, showing the uh, community engagement things, doing other stuff. It, the coffee on the truck with the sunrise in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Those are like, th those are the ones that get the most engagement too. Yeah. And there's a, it's a good reason why, because it's, you're not selling anything. You're just yeah. showing what you do. Social media is meant to be social um, and, you know, be social with it. And so uh, definitely, you know, showcase your team, showcase people more often than not. And, um, you know, that can really help with your, with your hiring as well. Yeah. Great stuff. We, and if you're smaller and you're looking at this going, oh, that's outside of my scope where I'm sitting right now. Like there's one thing that every business, I don't care if you're the only owner operator in it, know your values, know what kind of culture you want to have, start living, eating and breathing that type of culture. So that way you'll start attracting people that want to live and have that similar culture in their life. We took a guy from six employees to 20 from one and a half million to over three and a half million. And he never once posted a job posting like guys from other crews, yeah. guys from other crews. Like, Hey man, I want to work for you. I ran into your lead foreman yesterday and he was telling me how you run a job site. That's the kind of job site I want to work at. I hate the unorganization where I work. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's no secret too. And that is, that starts from, today, it starts from the beginning. It starts from the roots of your company and what you actually, how you treat your people, what you actually believe in your core values. Um, you know, even like another, uh, aspect of that too, is like, go to the source more, like support your local trades at your high school, support the, the trades at your community colleges. Um, don't just do it to get employees, like support them because you believe in it and, you know, set up a scholarship fund and, and all this stuff. There's so much you can do, but also look at the bigger picture of like, I'm not just doing this to pluck 
applicants from this program. I'm doing this because for the betterment of like the industry as a whole. And then it typically, when you view it like that, it's, it seems like the applicants come your way or the good people or people are attracted to that. So, um, yeah, really just kind of looking outside the box like that and just supporting the industry and supporting your people. Yeah. And and then you talk about that. We talk about doing like a round table podcast with me, you and Mike, and maybe a few others that are in the industry and, you know, just kind of like have fun with it and share different ideas. And I'm hearing more and more from guys I meet that they're networking with other excavation companies. They're sending work. That's a better fit for this guy based on his equipment or his schedule. And you're seeing the effects of like, they're all busy. Because they've got oh, like yeah. five megaphones in the marketplace for for their business instead of just one. Yeah. And I think that helps too with just um, a lot of it, you know, say you do take on a big project and you're like, I don't know if we can fulfill this entire thing. Like you can also sub out another company to help with that. And so there's, I, I'm seeing much more of that in today's world of just the collaboration instead of like hiding everything for yourself, yeah. but more of like, hey, yeah, I think you're just a better fit for this job. Let me know if you can help them and just, um, working at it that way. And so, um, I think we're going to see more of that. I think there's a bigger push, more transparency, um, because as an industry, uh, if you have a few guys, you know, cut undercutting the price, it, it hurts the whole industry. So just making sure that, you know, the rising tide lifts all the ships kind of thing, especially as a construction industry, we want to grow as a whole, just making sure that we're taking care of each other. No, it's, and I'm excited to see it. Like, it's so nice to see everyone trying to help out and, and, you know, build their little community in their area. Cause it can be lonely working for yourself. Yeah. I mean, and there's a long way to go too, but you're right. It's just, you know, finding others that are in a similar situation. I think, you know, even listening to your podcast, there's a lot of those stories too, of just people can really connect and relate to other people's uh, businesses and their stories and what they're going through. And so, yeah. um, and that's been fairly new is just listening to the podcasts that are out there. So um, yeah, I think we're going to see, continue seeing that bigger wave of, um, that collaboration and those connections and that networking, uh, in an industry that has typically been pretty tight lipped about it. Yeah. I just felt like it was time. Like there was none that I really noticed in the excavation industry where they were interviewing like the average guy, right? right They're all yeah. going after like the, you know, the hundred million dollar company owner, not the guy that does the books and digs the holes. And I remember, I remember listening, I don't know if you ever listened to it or not, but Andrew Warner had a podcast called Startup Stories. And I, I mean, and I think he still has it, but like eight, nine years ago, and like he would bring on founders of companies and yeah. it could be a million dollar company or a hundred million dollar company. And they would just go over the startup story. And I just always remember, I would listen to that one intently because it's the grind at the beginning. Yeah. That's the best lessons. Yeah. So I just wanted to bring that same, like if, if, if I can bring one person on a show and like something he says inspires somebody else and helps them through a problem, like that's, we're connecting the dots. Yeah. One of my favorite things, you know, that I learned is that, you know, is no matter who you're talking to in any conversation, um, I love the analogy of being a sponge, but it's for two reasons, like take in as much as you can, but also know that you have something to give too, you know? And so there's always something that you can add value to in the conversation, whether it's Mark Cuban or a successful business owner or whoever, or if it's somebody that's 18 years old, like no matter what, you can learn something from them and they can also learn something from you. So just always having that mindset in a conversation because sometimes you, know, you get too starry eyed and you just think like, I'm just gonna soak everything in and just listen the entire yeah. time. But then you start to realize that everyone's human and, and they can potentially learn something from you as well. And and it's crazy because I don't know if you feel this way at times. I know I do, but like if I meet somebody new and they start talking and they're kind of perceived as an expert in their industry, like I'm open eared, eyes open, listening. Yep. But then I'm like, well, what value do I have to him? And like I shortchange myself yep. in my head. Classic imposter syndrome too. Yeah. But just reminding yourself like, hey, there's there's some cool stuff we've done in my life, or there's some cool things that I might know that this person's, you know, never done. And you're not trying to like throw that on them, but just having that mindset of um, that give and take. And that's just what makes a great conversation is, you know, the act of like listening, taking it in, but then being able to ask the right questions and then being able to add that um, value as well. Yep. Absolutely, man. Anything that you're seeing in the market that you want to talk about that guys out there might be interested in or some trends. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think 
what I'm seeing is, um, you know, just these like fun groups popping up. So uh, there's a lot more going on. Um, it probably started with Instagram and Instagram can be good or bad, but uh, a lot of networking going on. And so <clears throat> I'm seeing a lot more of these groups traveling now instead of just staying in their local area. And so, you know, we're heading out to some shows this next year, especially. And so, um, just kind of like starting to throw things out there. Like, Hey, is anyone going out here? And then really starting to pull people out of their shells, because I think that is where you can learn the most is from other people outside of your local area. And so I'm seeing a lot more of that, of where people are more willing to be like, let's, let's pull myself out of the business for a little bit for a week and uh, see if we can learn something. Let's see if we can learn something, bring it back to our business and implement it. So uh, there's that podcasts, uh, have been huge. Um, I'm wearing the sweatshirt, the, the snow jobs podcast. Uh, those are nice. my guys. They, they, they found their niche. Of course, you know, they, any of the, anyone that pushes snow, go listen to the snow jobs podcast. And then, you know, your podcast and just, there's so much to learn out there, but also enjoy. And I like to say it on ours of just like, people learn differently. Like there's a lot of people that learned well in school. And I feel like for a lot of us, including myself, I, I didn't really enjoy school and I learn in different ways. And my way of is, uh, my way of learning is through podcasts and maybe an audio book or talking to people. And so seeing more of that, of just like, how can we learn the way we would prefer to learn? And so we do a, a webinar, it's called Dirtbags University. And we literally market it as it, you know, it's a Monday night, grab your drink of choice, grab your notepad. We're going to learn something and like, just prepare to have a good time, network with guys and, and gals in the industry. But also we're going to sit down for an hour and learn something that we can apply to our construction company from a professional. And so awesome. it's, that's how often been do you blast. do those about every six to eight weeks. Um, okay. do you we bring somebody got, in or do you host it yourself? So Luke and I, we bring somebody in, we actually pay and it doesn't matter if, you know, how long they've been speaking or whatever. We always off, we always offer to pay for their time. And we, we wanted to set that parameter for ourselves because we always want to keep this growing. And it's really helped because this person comes in with almost like a full presentation now. And so they speak about cash flow in construction, for example, they speak about it for 30 to 45 minutes, giving clear examples like a presentation. But then the fun part is, is we open it up after that for live Q and a. And so when, you know, I developed the list and whenever somebody has their question, we'll pull them into the, the zoom chat and then they get to talk about their, their actual scenario. So, Hey guys, my name's Luke. I've got, you know, my business does 800,000 a year. We've got this much in payments. I'm really tight on cash flow. Like what would you suggest? And then we get to walk through that scenario and the speaker does as well with that person. And then everyone listening gets to hear that example as well. So it's, it's been amazing though. People have taken it. Uh, they, they've responded so well because everyone comes with their, their bourbon, their whiskey, their Coors Light, like whatever. And it's just, it's a good time. Um, it's not super serious, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we're, we're here to learn something to apply yeah. to business. And, uh, it's been, it's been great, man. So usually about every six to eight weeks, um, We've got it on our Dirtbags podcast website. That was my next question is where can people find information on that? Yep. So if you go to dirtbagspodcast.com, there's a Dirtbags University tab. Um, it's something we'll, to- We'll link it in the show notes too. That'd be perfect. Thank you. And yeah. it's something too, where once we, we're just about to finalize our next speaker. And once we do, usually give it about four to six weeks of just promoting it, making sure people get signed up. And then uh, the other nice thing I like about it too, is we don't record it. So it's like a private session. It's locked. Um, the speaker can, it's great because the speaker can open up their own spreadsheets. They can show actual numbers. Um, none of it is published after the fact. And so it's a really good place for people to become vulnerable and also learn a lot more. So it's, uh, that's been awesome. It's been so much fun, but just something that Luke and I have really enjoyed over the last year. That sounds fantastic, man. God, you're giving me all these ideas. And I just know I don't have the bandwidth to implement all of them myself because we've got the store and the podcast and the consulting. Yeah, dude, it's you gotta you gotta focus, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think too, with that, that's helped with our focus is is not setting a 
ridiculous expectation. Not saying like, yeah, every month we're going to do this yeah. big thing, but we're like, you know, roughly six to eight weeks. And I think right now we're probably at 10 weeks. So it's just, you know, when it comes around, get excited about it, but we're also not going to, um, stress ourselves out too much if we're a couple weeks off. Yeah. Very nice, man. Very nice. Well, man, we'll make sure to link your dirt bags podcast with the Academy in there. We'll make sure to link phaser marketing in case anyone out here listening wants to learn more about working with you so they can help their grow their business. And I've, I've just love this, man. I, I, I like your values and the, your approach to business and life. I feel like we're kind of kindred souls in that regard. It's like the, a lot of the things we talked about, both of us were shaking our heads like, yep, I agree with you. And it's just, it's just cool to see. And uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show tonight. Yeah, man. I just, I appreciate it so much. And I'm just excited, you know, to, like we talked about with Mike, just that round table type discussion or podcast. I think that would be a ton of fun. So uh, definitely excited to see what we can come up with there and, you know, get some, get some great minds together and some great people. Yeah. I think we get through the holidays and we can just kind yeah. of like, Hey, let's drill this down. Cause I mean, we could, we could even fish that out to all of our podcasts, to all of our audiences too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that'd be even better. So, um, you know, we'll probably have to do it up in Canada in person there with Mike. So do a yeah, little business. Those trip, kids kind of run his life. I doubt he'll be able to travel. Yeah, that's, that's true. Well, I, I don't have kids, so I guess I'm probably out of the equation. So I got to probably travel up North. Yeah, I don't either. So I'm with you. We gotta, we yeah. gotta accommodate those. So <laughs> there we go. I love it. Awesome, man. Well, Luke, we'll have to do this again. Um, Thank you so much for sharing your insights and your knowledge with with our with us and our audience. And if there's anything Skid Steer Nation can ever do for you or your clients, please don't hesitate to reach out and ask. I appreciate it, man. Thanks a ton for having me on. And yeah, really, really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, guys, that was an excellent episode. You might have to listen to it two or three times. There's a lot of gold nuggets in there. Um, the one that stands out to me is your Google business profile page. Go check that out. If you want to learn more and dig deeper into growing your business and you get kind of lost about, hey, he's talking about their values and the cornerstone of their business and their culture and scaling and estimating improvements, head over to groundbreakinggrowth.com. It's a division of Skid Steer Nation. It's our coaching and consulting arm. You'll schedule a time if you want to learn more about it. And that call will actually be with me, nobody else. And we can kind of go over your business and see if you'd be a good fit for the program and if we can help you build an actual business that feels like a business and not a job. So groundbreakinggrowth.com. Until next week, guys, stay dirty. 